This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. No, too fast. You start that up. Now we're just three guys in a room listening to share. <laughs> This week, get the Trebs on driver, Celtic motor to the treble treble as we make history once again on May 25th. Celtic party parade cancelled, but not before Peter pisses on the cake and appoints Neil for nine. All this and more on this episode of 20 Minute Tips. Episode 182 of 20 Minute Tins, and I am joined this week by Melly. Yes. And Stephen. Hail, hail. Hail, hail indeed. <laughs> A treble treble completed, done. You're taking that home. A lovely old time, and that'll about do us. Yeah, no need that, to talk about the game itself. And nothing <laughs> happened after the game. Melly, talk us through your day. Give us a brief outline of how Saturday went for you. Saturday went well. Got okay, up. Stephen, <laughs> give me a brief outline of your Saturday. Went. Well, mine has to start with, um, I'd like to give a, hold, check my notes here, shout out, as okay. the, the kids call it. The, the story of my attending this game, to be there to witness history, is entirely down to the generosity of a certain listener. Now, I'll know, I will give the name just in case somebody else is listening and thinks, well, I'm related to that guy. How did I not get his yeah. tickets? <laughs> well, the answer to that is, why don't you put in four years of solid gold pattern <laughs> in a podcast and see what doors it opens for you? But now, uh, I was I was given tickets by a listener, a, a, a perfect stranger, really, and I'm in, incredibly grateful for that. I didn't really know what to say when I got them, and I still don't, to be honest, but the reason I was there is entirely down to this guy. You know who you are listening, but thanks very much. Very, very sound, sound individual, Indeed, and you should be awarded in heaven for it, no doubt. <laughs> uh, my Saturday was mostly baby. That was mostly my Saturday. Um, well, I was there for it, yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Patreon, if you like what we do and you would like to support the podcast, uh, as well as gaining access to over 70 extra episodes of podcasts that we've done over the last year or so, you can go to patreon.com slash 20 minute tims to find out all about that. Um, since last week, Stephen, yep. we have had a new podcast debut <laughs> we that, went, that went down sensationally well. <laughs> it's one of the most popular things we've done uh, recently. It's the, I'm going to make sure I pronounce this exactly correctly here, it is the Having a Rank podcast. Yes. The, the provocatively titled Having a Rank podcast, which is a football listing podcast from our resident blogger, Tom Rankin. Uh, it, it's essentially, it's what it says in the tin. It's a football list podcast. And the first one is on Tom's rundown of 10 Celtic baddies. And it's, go, it's gone down very well. Yeah, yeah, he just ranks various things. He does. Celtic related. He has a rank. Yeah. He has a rank. He yeah. has, hence the name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is the Monday Night Podcast. Uh, you know, 
every time I introduce this podcast, I want to say the word flagship, <laughs> but I don't like that word. So if anyone can think of a better thing to call this than the Monday Night Podcast, by all means, tweet us. Um, only one game this week to talk about, but Celtic once again making history. Martin Melly 2-1 on the 25th of May. Coming from behind as well. Coming from behind. Destiny. Destiny. <laughs> it didn't feel like destiny when I was watching it. <laughs> the whole day, it wasn't until we, we met in the pub and then when I got to the game, the nerves started to kick in for, hold on, there's a game here to be won because I just felt that it was kind of inevitable that Celtic would win it. Mm. Mainly due to the fact that hearts are utter rancid. <laughs> but it just felt like Celtic were going to win. It really came into my head that we might not win this, even when the lineup came out, even when we got to the game, even when the, we went a goal down. Just thought, this has surely got to be our time. This is this is fate for me. There were a couple of wobbles, I thought. We, I mean, we were in the pub. We were in the pub together when the, the lineups broke, and uh, it looked as if. Right, there's not that many surprises in it. I thought it was kind of along the lines of how I expected. I thought Kieran Tierney had maybe done enough to just save himself to be fit for the cup final, but it turns out it wasn't to be. But after a couple of minutes, I was like, I don't know if I'm that keen on this this lineup. There was just, again, there weren't that many surprises in it. I just had a look at Johnny Hayes in there and Mikey Johnson 100% deserved his place and I was glad to see Forrest back, but it was just a little bit, a little bit uninspiring. I, I wouldn't have had Tom Rogic in there. Mm. I said last week that I get why he would be included because while it would be a gamble, you would just be throwing him in there based on past history. Yeah. He would basically be in there because he is capable of doing it at big moments. It's nothing to do with his form because he hasn't shown any recently. But I, I was overall very confident going into it. The whole way up to it, I just thought, you know, a couple of drinks in, I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't know about this. <laughs> it, obviously, prior to the game kicking off, there was another display orchestrated by the yeah. Green Brigade we are the best at doing this yeah. I mean I know there's, there's teams on the continent that go absolutely wild of like they've got things draped from the stand and all, but no team in Britain and no, certainly no team in Scotland comes close to the tributes that no. the, the Green Brigade pull off the organisation and effort involved in laying out how many thousand of those well, they were bin bags yeah, kind of things um, it, it was an extraordinary effort and well done everybody involved because it looked absolutely brilliant it's brilliant and we just, they just seem to get better and better and that's just because they get so much practice because we have so many big days out <laughs> these days. It's absolutely brilliant. That's that. 12 trips to Hamden in the past three years, one every single one. That's incredible. It was only later on watching the game back that I saw how good the display actually was because from my seat, I couldn't really make yeah. it out just because of the angle. I could tell that there were two large figures in it in black that weren't green and white but I couldn't quite make it out it was only the following day that I finally saw the game back yeah. Aye, of course it's tribute number 5 and number 9 yeah. a tribute to Billy McNeil and Stevie Chalmers the players also had it on their shorts as well didn't they yep. the 5 and 9 it was um, it was a historical day but I, I, I think uh, I think the result will live in the memory a bit more than the performance Melly yep uh, once again pish utter <laughs> pish game <laughs> Absolutely rotten. The first half, I know we won and try not to be too negative and all that, but the result was amazing to win it in that fashion. Brilliant, but the game was utterly dreadful. MD didn't have anything involved in that game with the thought, this is shocking. First half passed with barely a chance. Mm. Watched the second half back again last night because I couldn't, I couldn't handle the first half. <laughs> and there was just absolutely nothing. There was a ball crossed into Edward that was cleared. 
and that was the only chance of the first half I can remember. There was, there was it the wasn't moment, even a chance. The moment where Edward was called back for offside, but it was a yeah. save anyway. It, it was never offside, but the keeper saved it anyway. Really, that's that's about all you're, you're talking about in the first half. So the first half sort of passed without... I mean, as you say, Melly, the performance sort of followed what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks, um, the last couple of months, I suppose, from Neil Lennon's Celtic side. But we might have got one of those famous Neil Lennon half-time team talks. The second half begins. Did you see any difference? The good old switch the wingers didn't they <laughs> up this time. There was it was a bit quicker in the second half. It was a, the first half was pretty passive again. One and thing that sorry to interrupt, but one thing Neil Lennon did say in his post match interview was, I think I'm quoting him here. He says, "We were too far, far too slow in the first half. I hate, I really hate that style of football. That's what he said. Mm. But I saw him watch that. Good, but you're in control of this." Yeah. It's something that's probably been leveled at Celtic the whole season and maybe last season as well, that it is too slow. The way you get move teams about like Hearts is to move it quickly rather than let them get back in. And we just didn't seem to do that. It's been the end of a long, hard season. The players, it was one more game, one more effort to get over the line. And it wasn't until we went that goal behind where we got that sort of lift and thought, we're in a game here. And Lennon said that after the match, he said... Look, if we go go behind, we've still got the players to win this, so don't panic. And the team didn't panic. There's a wee guy in front of me, as soon as Hart scored, just said, we'll still win. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I wasn't as confident as him at the time, but we done it. James Forrest did say after the game that Neil Lennon had told him at halftime, look, if you go a goal down, then basically just keep the head. And how I'm picturing Neil Lennon doing that is ferociously and aggressively pointing to his own temples with both hands. Um, but the... The, as far as the style of play goes, the first half, it was hard to see really what the pattern was. Mm. There was a lot of, I mean, Lustig, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and have a go at him because I don't think he played badly per se, but what happens it's is... Percy. <laughs> Percy Lustig. <laughs> There's no Percy on this podcast. <laughs> um, what happens, he's a bit of a, a bit of a hoof merchant these days, so yeah. it will come to him and he'll either pass it back to the centre half or he'll scoop it up in the air with his left foot first time. And I, there was what about his first touch, eh? Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly what happened. <laughs> but other than that, as I said, that the first half passed without any any real incident. Not to go back to this, but without really any incident. But my my one takeaway from from that period was that I can't really see what the plan is here. I can't really see what the pattern is, what the system is. I can't really. I can't really process in my head what the what the approach is. I mean, I think we try and go for Melly. We try and go for a lot of wing play. There was mm, where yeah. I was sitting in the uh, more in the second half. The first half was more or less a right off, and and just to jump forward to the post match comments, Neil Lennon said again at half time. He goes, you know, it took a goal to get us going, and I don't like to see that. But you know, maybe it does take. You know, maybe Celtic going every game thinking we're going to win this. We will win eventually, and then they get a goal and they go shh. Maybe there's a chance we won't win this. Some boxers are like that. It takes a wee jab on the nose to wake right. them up and get them fighting. But we we were we were trying a lot of wing play. But one thing that frustrated me was, you know, I was sitting where I was sitting on the left hand side. You've got you've got Hayes and Johnson, and they're attacking down the left hand side, but they're not getting much luck. And you're looking for a bit of support from midfield. I was looking particularly from support for Tom Rogic on that side, and he was just he was like nowhere to be seen. Quite a lot. Callum McGregor was travelling all the way up to assist on the left hand side. Meanwhile, Tom Rogic's floating about. So I, I I just think that, that whatever Neil Lennon was trying 
wasn't working because there was players there who just really aren't good enough to do it. I think the midfield is a real problem at the moment. They're not playing through the midfield at all. And Scott Brown had a good second half. He came into it a bit and started getting a bit more aggressive and stamping his authority on the game, but there wasn't a huge amount of quality going through that. Tom Rogic, as I started talking about, is a passenger at the moment. He has... He has it in him, we all know that, but he's got a very peculiar approach, a very peculiar running style, and I don't mean James Forrest style running. He's The way he dribbles is he quite often has the ball behind him. So the ball, I don't mean literally behind him as he's running <laughs> That's away from a magician. I just mean he, he kind of comes at it square, square to the ball and drags the ball with his left foot mm-hmm. while it's kind of slightly off, off kilter. And when that's not working for him, it's just, it's really easy to take it off him. If he's, if he's just lost confidence for whatever reason, then it's really obvious what he's going to do with it. And Hearts were able to easily crowd him out. I'm, I'm loath to say, and it would not spend enough any time focusing on the negatives really, but I'm loath to say that he was hiding. But we said it last week, it's, it's been a season to forget for yeah. Tom Rogic. And, and that was another game where he was more or less anonymous. It has been. Look, we'll give him a wee bit of benefit out. The guy was at the World Cup. And that is a long, long season for him. He's basically played a year without having a break, apart from the time he was injured. Yeah. And he's come back. And he's coming into a team that's maybe not been playing too great. There's problems throughout the team. And yes, Neil Lennon's come in, but he's had to pick these players. And he didn't really have many other options at the weekend. But looking at the team, there's a severe lack of energy, I feel, without Mm. Tierney at fullback. Johnny Hayes... Look, I know he gives 100%. I know he loves it when he wins cup. I know he loves the club, but he's not good enough. Again, he dribbled the ball out the pitch. He crossed over miles away. He's not even looking up before he's crossing balls in. On the other side, Mikel Lustig's first touch, he left foot shanks it up in the the first minute. He can't get forward. Fair enough, he set up the goal, but he's done as well. So every big, massive, successful team has good fullbacks. We don't have any... And going through the midfield, McGregor sat a bit deeper than Brown, I thought, and that's where he's best, but he's best sitting with two in front, whereas Brown beside him, it just left our midfield too open. And then with Tom Rogic ahead of that, there's no energy in there whatsoever. That's why we Celtic always looked better when they had Armstrong or Christie making those driving runs. And out wide, it's just left to the wingers, basically, to get it to them and see what they do, because they don't have guys really overlapping them. And when Jamie was saying about Tom Rogic not getting over the left, some of the best times we had was when Tierney and Sinclair linked up down the left bit and Cham came over as well and linked up there and caused that overload in there. We're not doing that now. And it's really showing in the team. Look, the team, the season's over. The team needs rebuilt, but it, you can see it from there. It needs a massive refreshment. But all we really wanted for this Celtic team in this this game, this is what we were talking about last week, Just we just need one last push. Yeah. You could tell yeah. the team were on the last legs. They just needed one last push. Lethargic first half, come out for the second half a wee bit better, but we lose a goal. Let's talk about the Hearts goal a wee bit. It was a bit of a scramble. A stramash. A, a good stramash. Goal mouse stramash. Celtic were opened up by basically just a throw-in. It yeah. was really a throw-in that came in and Hickey, who is a good player, their left-back who is 16, we saw him last week playing against um, Dembele in the second half. He looks a good player. I've only just recently found out he's, he came from Celtic. He came up, through, came up through the youth system in Celtic and left. Um, he's the youngest player to start a Scottish Cup final since 2008 and it was John Fleck, the ageless John Fleck oh, of the dear. old Huns. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought he was a good... He was good in this. He was instrumental in this move. But it was a kind of 
a bit of a breakdown. Hearts get a, a bit of the break of the ball because there was a shot from Jim that just sort of swept across the middle of the box. Yeah. Poor marking from Forrest. Doesn't he, he track his man? Forrest gets skinned. Forrest gets absolutely turned inside out on the edge. Um, but what happened after that was the Sclaff shot across sort of took everyone. Hayes just sort of fell over. He gets get, sucked in. So. Yeah, he, he sat down. And from that point, he was taken out of the play. Now, on Hayes, uh, I'm glad that Melly took over full-back corner this week. Um, <laughs> I don't need to do my job. But I, we were all at the game, but separately, none of us were sitting together. And I have to admit that I, I spared a thought for Melly when I was watching Johnny Hayes during the game because I thought... It was painful at times. Yeah, I've been largely positive about him since he signed for Celtic, but I, I'm firmly, I'm sidling up to Melly in that boat now. I'm just, I'm making a wee bit of space so I can sit next to Melly in that sinking boat called Johnny Hayes. He's, <laughs> um, he's not good enough uh, without labelling the point. But the thing is, I predicted that a couple of weeks ago. I said that we're in danger of just over-celebrating trying. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and the first thing I see when I wake up the following morning, a little bit rough, um, was a, a tweet the picture of Johnny Hayes celebrating and it was like, this man gives us all for I the know. club that we should be I, fine, right but that, again, that's the bare minimum we, yeah. just, we need quality footballers yeah. and that's, that, as you say, that is that is the bare minimum that's, yeah. that's, there's nobody really that puts on a Celtic shirt and doesn't give their all, it's just sometimes yeah. your all isn't good enough, and yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's really it. the case with Johnny Hayes um, but the goal the, uh, the, um, the back heel from Clare was excellent because Ayer looked as if he was a bit closed down and that back heel just took him out altogether as well, which left him with a, a last minute lunge and it was too late from, from Ryan Edwards. Ryan Edward. Uh, Ryan Edward. Oh, right. <laughs> that must have confused Pat Bonner that Edwards and Edward were the scorers in this game. Uh, Edwards still looking like the, the front cover of a, a cheap romance novel. <laughs> <laughs> you like him, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where he was born? No. Take, take a guess. Um, is he Australian? No. No. Melly, what year he was born? Where he was born? Oh, I thought he, I thought he was I thought he was I thought right. he was Australian to be honest, but he was actually born in Singapore. Oh, well, there you, right, you go. <laughs> right. Features for Australia. Um, Edwards scores for Hearts. Edward <laughs> scores for Celtic. Was it a penalty though? I think it was. Tell me why, because it wasn't. So you tell <laughs> me, you tell me why you think it was, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. You can see his left foot. He's a, his right foot will be. He gets caught by the keeper as he's. Trying to go away and but, wrong. But, 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 no, but, no, but, no, we're not having this, are we, Stephen? We are quite fond on here. Quite often we talk about the old, the Robert Perez, the dangling the leg in there, expecting contact. And I think that's what Edward did. Now, the contact was there, but did Edward buy the penalty by dangling his leg in there and letting the keeper come in there? Look, the thing is, right, see if you're a goalkeeper, and I think there was a defender involved too, see if you're sliding out it's to play like end, you're risking that sort of thing, right? Goalkeeper so, is an idiot, to be fair. The goalkeeper yeah. is an idiot. So Edward is half a foot for the goalkeeper. Every single player in the world is going to go, okay, and just pop down onto the deck. You know, right, Andy Walker. <laughs> I'm Andy Walker in it, do you know what? And, and Do you know what? I'll even go so far as to say, aye, Edward did dive. No what else? Don't care. Because I sat a couple of years ago and watched a Scottish Cup final with Ronnie Dyla. Semi. Semi. Where a boy handled it right on the line. Cheating. And yeah. we were papped out. Ruined his chance of getting a treble that year. And this year, a wee bit of cheating wins as a treble. So, Are you saying these things even themselves I'm, out over, a yeah, season, over the, three seasons? I'm saying these <laughs> things even themselves out over five years. <laughs> no, no, no. I've seen Celtic cheated plenty of times. Edward took a wee trip onto the deck, won as a penalty, and we, we slotted that away. It was a daft challenge. I think if Edward hadn't hadn't dangled the leg, as as it's known, 
I think he would have been filled anyway. Mm. I think the guy was going to come right through him. He was still sliding when Edward hit the deck. So I think I think it would have been a penalty, and that's about as best as I can do with this. I know, I know. That's fair <laughs> enough. I mean, it was fair enough. Look, he slots home the penalty, and I'm being a negative Nancy about the game, but it wasn't even a great opportunity. It was a hopeful ball through that Edward was sharper than everybody else to get onto. We beat Hearts, yes, but we didn't carve them open. We didn't create any chances whatsoever. The two goals were that mistake from the defence, letting Edward go through and the keeper being an idiot, and then Christoph Berra having an absolute nightmare. Melly, you're too negative, <laughs> I'm man. too negative, because it was sad to sit there and watch that again. It, do you think if people want to hear this? They absolutely don't. It was a penalty, we'll take it. Second goal, Stephen. Well, this, the, the goal itself, the penalty itself, rather, um, was pathetic goalkeeping oh, as well. Oh, that's right. It was a strange... I didn't look like this from my angle in the stadium, but when you see it back, the keeper get two hands to it. And somehow managed to fail to keep it out. It basically just went through the old Kit Kat wrists. Aye, garbage. So uh, yes, absolute yeah. garbage. That housekeeper. Mister Time Waster was they wasting much time after that? <laughs> was he? Um, the second goal. We might as well just talk about that. As you said, Millie, for the second time in the game, probably the third actually. I think for the offside as well. Hmm. Edward was the most alert guy on the pitch. Um, Michael Lustig. Knocks the header through. Knew exactly what he was doing, in my Def- opinion. The yep. defence splitter, the, the Pirlo of headers. Yeah, because uh, you could Michael see it. Stig. After he headered it, there's, a, there's an angle um, in the highlights where the camera's facing right down Lustig. And you can see Lustig header it, and he's looking, and he's following the ball, hoping that Edward gets on to the end of it. Edward's running onto it. He's the uh, only guy in the pitch who sees it. Mm-hmm. Because, see, when you see it back, he is actually further out left than Sinclair is at the time. So he comes across Sinclair to run onto that ball. Sinclair doesn't see it coming at all. Edward is already running by the time Lustig makes connection with the ball. And Larson-esque. A la- and it, just like Henrik Larson, when you see Odson Edward bearing down one-on-one with the keeper, that ball was only going to end up in one place, Martin Melly. Sure was. There's one thing you do with that. You bury it and I just... As soon as he went through, didn't even need a touch no. to set himself. That is what quality you get when you spend the money. How many times have we seen Lee Griffiths, a good striker as he goes, go through the it and miss a one on one? Edward buries it so composed, not even doesn't even flinch, just bury it. The technique on the strike is unbelievable the way it goes up and down. It's one of my favourite goals for a long time, just pure euphoria in the stands, and as soon as that went in, because there'd been so little chances in the game, we thought that's it, we have yeah. done it because we don't concede goals. We don't concede goals to bad teams and Hearts are a bad team. I'm surprised at Hearts for that goal because, as you said, Jimmy, they've been carved open really simply a couple of times. But other than that in the game, they were they were fairly stubborn and, and sort of stodgy when, in the midfield. They crowded the midfield and limited Celtic to hardly any chances. Celtic contributed to that with very few attacking ideas right enough. But, but Hearts done a good job of breaking the play up because yeah. I, th- I thought they got away with an awful lot of fouls again. There were. Um, I thought there was a lot of kicking, a lot of trips. And the referee, was it Colum? Yep. He just let them get away with almost murder. There was a lot of bizarre play-ons as well, I thought, as well. I thought Especially Colum, towards yeah. stoppage time. Yeah, I thought he was okay, by and large, but very, very lenient. I think Edwards could have been booked... In the first half, so could Michael Smith, their right back, who had a bit of a shocker on Edward, actually came right through the back of him. I think he could have been booked for that, but I don't think there were any players booked until the keeper for the penalty, who got booked for time-wasting in the end, so very, very lenient. The one thing that did worry me, five minutes added time. Where did that come from? (laughs) I don't know. Three subs each, fair enough, that's three minutes. Where do you get an extra two minutes from? Can't think of any injuries. Nothing, absolutely nothing. But that's... 
didn't really create anything after that, did they? No. It no. was just launching balls into it, Piazzo and hoping for set something off him. But Scott Brown got close to him as well as the centre half, so when he dropped balls, we just dealt with. And we had the guys to break out. And Cham came on for Rogic and was a wee bit tidier than Rogic. Johnny Hayes uh, had his day ended early because it was painful watching him. So <laughs> uh, we brought him and put him uh, McGregor left back just to seal it out. Brought on near Beaton, comes out of nowhere and comes on the cup final. So we've seen it out. Sinclair came on, contributed very little again, but we had the £9 million man up front and that was the difference in the day. And I just want to take a wee bit of time here, Stephen, to talk about Odds and Edward. Yeah. Completely overlooked for any season's <laughs> honours this year. The year in particular, which is absurd when which, you look at it. We uh, broke the bank for him in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we bought him with a view to playing him up front with Dembele. We didn't want to lose Dembele. He left. Griffiths has had his issues. He's gone. If it wasn't for Odds and Edward... Where would we be oh, this yeah, season? I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. He deserves, I think I said the words or the term immense credit about five times. I was disappointed. People like, were tweeting us <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> um, I, I use the words immense credit far too often in that, but but it's true. Uh, he came in, yeah, very expensive, but you wouldn't expect him to basically carry the position the entire season. As you say, Dembele went, Griffiths had his problems, signed three Attackers, stroke forwards, stroke strikers in January, and none of them have contributed much at all between them, Burke, Weir and Bio. And Edward's been there all along. He's the top scorer, 23 goals now. And uh, what an absolutely tremendous signing. I don't, I don't know where we would have been if that hadn't, hadn't gone through because, you know, for reasons we spoke about at the time, didn't get a chance to replace Dembele at the time and didn't adequately do it in January. So, I don't know. If Edward had picked up any kind of significant injury over the season, I think he would have been seriously struggling. He's uh, scored a lot of goals for his melee. He's scored a lot of important goals yeah. for oh, us as well. That's the main bit, is winning goals. The, the one against Dundee in the last minute, the goal against Leipzig, just big games. The big players step up time and time again. When a few you go, in qualifying as well, sorry, but and there's a few in European qualifying at the time as well, yeah. That's it, and he's just one of these guys where... If the ball falls to him, you think he's going to score. Now, there's not a lot of players like that. Guys like him change games and score goals at important times. And that is what you get when you buy quality that. We don't have a lot of it in the team right now. We used to have a good few players that done it. Sort of dwindled down a bit, so we heavily rely on the guy. And that's incredible to think his first proper season has been a first-choice striker. He's got 23 goals. He missed a couple, a good few games with injury yeah. as well. So if he gets a run at it next season, we could hit into the 30 goal mark. Do you know what Alan Stubbs called him on sports team after the game? <laughs> Some, uh, I don't know. Edwin Oswald. <laughs> Alan Stubbs, he, I mean, he does look like a Victorian policeman. <laughs> he, he's got a big Edwardian does, yeah. face, doesn't yeah. he? I know those are two different things, but still. <laughs> I'd like to think Odson Edward, not that he'll dedicate those goals to him, but... Remember the guy in the Aberdeen Cup final earlier in the season that sat behind us and oh. abused him for 90 minutes non-stop, racially as well. Yep, I yep. like to think that Celtic fan right now is just sitting there thinking, well, maybe I got it wrong. I, th- I would like to think a lot of Celtic fans are getting it wrong because Edward does come in for a lot of stick, which is completely unwarranted anyway. That today's not the day to discuss that. So, final whistle goes, Celtic lift the third treble in three years. <laughs> it's football manager stuff. Nine trophies in a row. I don't think I've ever done that in football manager. You know, even when I've cheated. <laughs> um, it is quite incredible to think about it. The Celtic um, Twitter account put out a stat today which just puts puts it into a little bit of perspective. Between 1887 and 2016, Stephen, 
That's a lot of years. That is yeah. many, many years. How many trebles did Celtic win? Three. In 129 years. <laughs> and then between 2016 and 2019, Celtic won three trebles. <laughs> the thing about winning these trebles is there is... There is no excuse you can tell me. Nobody's going to aye but the Standard League, aye but Rangers, aye but... There is no aye buts. There is no aye buts. A treble is a very, very difficult thing to win. Well, this is the first time in my lifetime I've seen a team in England do it. And there's been dominant, dominant teams down mm. in England do it. In other countries, like you don't see every major club winning everything. They get caught in a game and that's just one treble we've done it three seasons in a row the league games yes you can lose the odd league game to go unbeaten in one whole season was incredible but to then go on to that and not lose a cup game look, there was barely a game where we conceded yeah. a goal or looked like losing in that run Tom English made a point a good point for a change for him um, <laughs> write it in your diary <laughs> basically to that effect he basically said that look, yes Celtic have got the most money the best players and all that but so, there's one like that in every league. There's a PSG, there's a Bayern Munich, Juventus, who pretty much squish the league all, all the time, right? But they don't they don't win everything. They get caught eventually. There's always, even down in England, you get a, you know, the, the romance of the cup, the giant yeah. killer and all that. Maybe somebody gets a dodgy penalty. But Celtic have not taken their foot off the gas even once in three years. And what's that, 27 cup games in the last <laughs> three years? An unbelievably this? ferocious will, yeah. will, will, will to win. Yeah. Um, even players like Scott Brown. Scott Brown is getting old, right? No class, mate. Uh, no class. <laughs> I, fuck off. Scott Brown is getting old. We all know it, right? But to see him turn... Wait, is he 34? 34 on the yeah. 25th of June. Almost pretty much 34. Hamden Park fighting and scrapping for every ball to win his third treble. Players like Michael Lustig, again, Michael Lustig is done, but he gave everything, yeah. absolutely everything in that game. See, when he does leave, will you finally call him Mikael Lustig? What have you been calling him? Michael. Is, oh, look, Martin. Alright, all right, is that what it is? <laughs> whatever, whatever, right, this isn't a time for semantics. <laughs> He's just slacking Packy Bonner. <laughs> I, I know, it's fine. Look, mate, it's 2019, we can call him Patrick Bonner. Right? <laughs> um, no, but but no seriousness. It's it's hard to put into words and hard sometimes to appreciate the magnitude of what Celtic have done here. But you just have to remember a couple of years ago, you know, Ronnie Dyla wasn't winning trebles, Neil Lennon wasn't winning trebles, and now bang, 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 nine in a row. It, it's it's quite extraordinary to think about it. And see after the game, you know how they had the well, we were all sitting in different parts yeah, of yeah. the stadium. Um so we were all scattered about the place and we'd made arrangements to meet each other in the town. And I basically walked from Hamden into the town and I followed where, where the bus was supposed to go because, you know, obviously Glasgow City Council can he put up a couple of barriers to, to organise a bus parade. And you're just walking about and you're seeing guys and girls and people hanging out at tenement windies. It was, it was You know how you watch the pictures for 1967 when Celtic bring the, the European Cup back yeah, yeah. and everything looks so quaint and everything. <laughs> you're like, imagine that happening nowadays. That's what it was like. Do you know what I mean? It was it was like something for the olden days. An absolute casserole of nonsense going on at Glasgow Cross. It was oh. a Fenian frivolity. <laughs> you, you couldn't. It was chaos. You couldn't make oh, your way through I it. Took it took us an hour to get back from Hamden. And I'm watching up, and I'm I stood about waiting for the bus before it was cancelled. And just all around me, there's like guys with sons. And the one thing I kept hearing people say in the stadium and outside the stadium is people saying to their sons and their grandsons like, "You'll remember this. You'll be able to tell your kids and your grandkids that you were here when this happened." And I was just like. So privileged to be a part of it. It was absolutely brilliant. That's exactly it. My dad always told me stories about 67 and winning every trophy. And that's that's a dream, a far too fetched dream for us now. But see this right now, that 
even that team back then didn't have this dominance. Like, I, I don't remember any team I've ever heard of dominating this much. It is nice to know it's, you're a part of history and because we're at an age, we're all in our 40s, so <laughs> that we, could, we can uh, appreciate this. Maybe when you're younger, you'll not appreciate it until you're older and it, maybe it doesn't happen as much. But just I just had a wee minute to reflect and say this this. I'll not see this again. Never. I think it's important to do that because I think what doesn't help you fully appreciate things that these things become slogans way before they happen. So we're we're all familiar with the phrase treble treble and overly familiar with it for a long time now. So by the time it comes around, you think, well, obviously we've been talking about this treble treble for ages. So I think it is important to just step back and be like, wait a minute, a treble treble. As I was walking up through the Gallagate um, and joining in the celebrations with all sorts of fans and strangers and clapping and hugging and all that sort of carry on. Word started to spread through the crowd. Neil Lennon was offered the Celtic job. I think I feel something, I feel people apart, I feel people mostly want us to talk about this <laughs> really? rather, than, rather than the, the cup final. So Neil Lennon, right after the game, immediately after the game, even after Neil Lennon has spoken to the press and says he didn't know what was happening, Peter Law makes a, an announcement, as he likes to do, when Celtic are winning things, appears on television and says, Neil's been offered the job, that'll kill the speculation for you guys and the fans, we'll work out the details later. How do you guys feel about Neil Lennon's appointment as Celtic manager? Stephen? Broad question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was I was aware of it breaking on my way back to Hamden as well. Uh, the first thing I heard, some guy just said over his shoulder, oh, he's got that job, by the way. And I, I just assumed <laughs> he was talking about his pal or something. I was like, oh, that's quite nice. That <laughs> someone's got a job. Good day for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I, it started kind of spreading a wee bit and... I've got to admit it was a weird atmosphere. I think mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people had their had the air let out of their, their party balloons, to be yeah. perfectly honest. I don't mean people were like like breaking down crying or anything like that, <laughs> but it did kind of it created a, a weird vibe around the place, to be honest, because I don't think people were really expecting that to to come out so soon after the end of the game. People weren't happy, first of all, with the appointment, Melly. It's fair enough, we'll talk about it. But I think people felt that perhaps the club would try to play a bit of a PR game by coming out, not distracting everyone by the title win, but you know, you say it there and then, and people are too busy celebrating the title. You're not going to have weeks of speculation or weeks of moaning. Just rip the plaster off quickly. Yep, uh, I was walking back. You put in the group chat, he's been offered the job. I just thought you meant he'll get the job now. But then, as Stephen said, it started to spread about. And on the way back, I didn't hear one person happy about it. Mm. I walked into the Sir John Moore and met my mate Danny and Steph and Matthew, who we met in the pub before, and it was like a death in the family standing there. It's just, <laughs> it like a wake. <laughs> it's just sucked the life right out of sail, shattering our cornflakes. Why could, couldn't even give us an hour celebrating and just leave it till today and announce Neil Lennon's got the job? Was Peter Lowell bevied or something like that? He just, he's he just not even lost. got the job. He's not even accepted uh, it. Just, uh, we'll work out the details later. Bit too excited and jumped in front of a camera and started wheeling out a complete lot of nonsense, to be frank. I think it was... Yeah, the timing of it was strange. The delivery of this news was absolutely bizarre as well because mm. Peter Lowell decided to thrust himself in front of a camera and start going on about how Neil Lennon knows the club, he knows the city, mm. and he knows what's required. I'm like... <laughs> What, what are you talking about here, Peter? It was a very strange way to break it, a very strange time to break it, and I think a lot of people are still processing it right now. So, let's talk. Let's have the discussion. Neil Lennon is Celtic manager. I or no, Melly? No. Why? The style of football, 
everything about it. The Brendan Rodgers didn't know the city, didn't know the club. Don't know if he's a taxi driver. Know. Honestly. Know. <laughs> he knows the city like the back of his hand. Comes in, does a great job. Same with Martin O'Neill. Yes, they, they said they supported the club, but it's not the be-all and end-all. A good manager is a good manager. He comes Forever. in. Yes. <laughs> well, not Martin O'Neill. Right. <laughs> Neil Lennon's style of play. I've barely enjoyed any of the... Yes, I have enjoyed results and I've had good days out after the wins, but the style of play... Is it fair to judge him on this style of play with someone else's team when all he wanted to do was nurse it over the line? Possibly, but the same players were playing well before no, they, they left. Yes, they were. I mean, they were. Just for, the, just for the record, I'm going to be dick advocate all through this <laughs> yeah, here for Neil Lennon. Um, I, I, the players did have a good spell, but you know, for the start of the season, they were pretty poor. Yeah, but before Christmas up to the Rangers game and then after that, they were on a great run of form. They had barely lost a goal, never mind they didn't lose any games. I thought it was the end of the road for this team. And if you're going from Brendan Rodgers, who's about £4.5 million a year manager, down to Neil Lennon, who's less than £1 million a year, this team is done and Brendan Rodgers was getting the maximum out of this team because the quality left. Now to get a manager, probably four times less, well, a quarter of the manager, Brendan Rodgers, going by mm. the figures and going by tactics, preparation, all that sort of thing, I think it's going to be a struggle next season. I know, but who else, Stephen, would you have had? Well, that's a tough question. Had I asked somebody for a start? Yeah, well, that that's another part of the, the thing I was talking about with the f- strange delivery of the, the news because Peter Law basically implied, or, or rather was explicit in the fact that no one else has been considered, no one else has been spoken to. I do not think he has to say that, though, because see if he comes out and goes, I always spoke to Villas Boas and he wasn't interested. Now, you know, these rumours... Benitez was probably never going to happen. Mourinho was certainly never going to happen. No. Villas Boas, according to what I've heard, was sounded out through a third party. But there, he's just signed a seven million pound a year contract mm, for right. his new club Marseille. there. So yeah, so he's he's never in a million years going to get it. No, uh, but fans aren't going to be happy with that. Fans were going along with the new Lennon thing. And you know what? I just caught myself. I feel really bad doing this after such a huge triumph, right? But it's got to be done. Um, I, th- I think people were putting up with the Neil Lennon thing because they thought due diligence was being yeah. done mm-hmm. and people were going to be spoken to. I think everyone was in the same boat where if it's Neil Lennon, if everyone, if all else fails and Neil Lennon is the man for it, then fine, we'll get behind him and all that. But I think everyone expected at least a process to be done. And for Peter Lowell, to, whether it's true or not, for him to come yeah. out and say that that process wasn't done, I think is getting a lot of people's backs up with the, with reason. I, I I can see a scenario that's plausible where Celtic put put the feelers out for third parties, right? Keep Lennon on the shelf, put the feelers out. Let's have a wee peruse at what else we could possibly get here. And what came back was not very inspiring. It is your Chris Shootings, your, your mid-level managers, nobody with an extremely high reputation, nobody that's going to certainly guarantee anything. It's a big season next year. And they've got Neil Lennon in the hand, or they've got manager X whose reputation isn't sparkling. I think we can completely forget. You can rule out anybody like Brendan Rodgers coming again. I think mm. that was just pure fluke, right place, right time. Even the likes of Davey Moyes didn't want the job. Steve Clark didn't want the job. Well, that's going to be upsetting for people as well, and because we don't want to feel like we've peaked. Like Brent, we don't want to be like, well, Brendan Rodgers was the peak, and now we're sliding down the back of that hill. Because, and that's kind of what it feels like. If, it's the truth, though. Yeah, if you are to tell me that no other manager of any repute is willing to come, unless they happen to have 
some sort of affinity for the club, have supported the club a la Martin O'Neill, Brendan Rodgers, Neil Lennon. If that's the only managers we've got any chance of getting, then that is another reason to get a little bit annoyed. Now, there's no really anything anyone can do about that. You can't just say to Dermot Desmond, go and pay somebody 10 yeah. million a year or else there's no way they would even set foot in Scotland. But we just don't want to feel like that's... Do you know what? Branching off here, I, I think I could just about get on board with the new Lennon appointment if it wasn't for the fact that, as I've been saying, the delivery of this thing, I think I think we are being manipulated into thinking this is a good appointment mm-hmm. because we're being fed lines like it was a no-win situation for Neil Lennon yeah. to come in. That's rubbish. That's patently the yeah. opposite of the, the case. We're Neil not Lennon, buying the PR no, behind this at all. We're Neil not Lennon buying the PR. was an unemployed manager, a good unemployed manager, but he was an unemployed manager who has next to no prospects of getting a job of the stature of Celtics, right? I joked on Twitter, I was like, who would beat to Neil Lennon's signature here? Were, were Marseille in for him? Were Leon, Ajax, PSV, Fenerbahce? Were they all fighting out for him? Or was he likely to end up at like Kilmarnock or Bradford City or something like that? Being realistic, who's Neil Lennon going to go to? And he was never going to get a job the size of Celtics unless he happened to be a pure Celtic man. But I think, Melly, just touched on what Peter Law said, I do think it's important for someone to come into the club who understands, you know, say we get David Wagner, for example, and he has a bad start to the season. How do these guys deal? I mean, even Ronnie Dyla, who was a very competent manager in Norway, who came over here knowing what was involved, said on this podcast that it wouldn't have, if if he could do it all again, he would have realised right away that you need to win every game. I I honestly think you need to bring a manager in who is a, a... as Peter Law said, a winner who, who knows you have to win every single game, especially next season. Now, you can look, Stephen says, maybe we have to accept where we are. I'm, I'm just going to shit in the cornflakes a wee bit, as you would say, Melly. See the success Celtic have had over the last three years. Unsustainable. It is, it's almost unsustainable. It is to think that Celtic can go on and win another treble next year and just keep churning out, winning everything, is unsustainable. We had a manager in Brendan Rodgers who's a good manager, but one of his serious flaws was he really struggled to find players that worked in Scotland. Neil Lennon is undoubtedly good at that. He is, but also what Brendan Rodgers done in that was made the players he had much better. Do I see Neil Lennon doing that? I don't think so. And I don't think our team is as good as we think because he sucked out the absolute maximum from them. He got them as fit as they've ever been. He got them as tactically aware as they've ever been. He got the whole club raised standards, so those players had to meet them. Now, we all know Neil Lennon is supposedly like where he doesn't have those high standards. So if you let those players drop down a bit, performances will get poorer, I'd say. And when we go on about... Peter Lowell, it is that, trying to feed us as if it's the best thing ever that Neil Lennon's got the job. You haven't done your job. Yeah. It should be if Brendan Rodgers goes, we have XYZ lined up in case, but we didn't. It just feels like we stumbled upon Neil Lennon when it was clear last summer Brendan Rodgers was probably going to leave at the end of the season, never mind during the season. And it's all this, oh, Neil Lennon, he was the only man for the job. No, he wasn't. Because even if, even if, you came out and said, we spoke to a lot of people or we looked for everybody else, but Neil Lennon was clearly the best man for a job. But he didn't. He just said, we didn't even bother with yeah. that process. And that's what gets you up. And then to come out and say, there's no rebuild needed is ludicrous. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to those comments around. But Stephen, I, I'll throw one of your own comments back here at you. You know, people, are, you've always said, 
Celtic fans when they're talking about players they, they always reference Schrodinger's right back go get a right <laughs> yeah. back from Europe somewhere that we don't even know exists yet the, the, we could level exactly the same thing at the manager go get ex-manager that we don't even know exists it, some manager and what you know so I think we could agree that you can just rule out any manager currently in the top six teams of any league, any of the top five leagues in Europe. Yep, more maybe likely, the, yeah. Maybe the top ten. So you're looking at maybe maybe mid to low table in any league. So would, you, would the fans, would you guys really be happy if we went to Germany or Holland or even England and picked a guy that, that's bumbling about the mid table of the Premier League and said, go and win nine in a row? The, the stronger likelihood would be that it would be an out-of-work manager. Yeah. I don't think he could go and get someone... You're right, you, you wouldn't go and pluck like a, for example, your Huddersfield manager or whatever, although what would have taken David yeah. Wagner and <laughs> that was a bad example, but I know exactly what you mean. Um, I think it would have been more likely to be an out-of-work manager and guys like Philip Koku and all that were shouted, but it just probably wasn't realistic at the same time. But again, as I said earlier, it's just a hard one to take. And I know um, that me saying someone else is no is no any use to anyone, but yeah. the, the fact is, I just don't think that the process was done, and I can only go on Peter Lowell's word for that. I think if the net was cast far and wide, and we've come up with a guy who was available within thirty six hours of Brendan Rodgers, yeah. I think that's an awful coincidence. But um, I mean, don't get me wrong; like I, I, I was gutted. Not gutted, that's really unfair. I was really disappointed to see Neil Lennon given the job for all the reasons you guys have yeah. spoken about. But a couple of days hence, when I mean, I've had so many chats and you're reading all the information, you're taking it all in and you're looking at it in the cold light of day, I honestly don't think Neil Lennon is the absolute worst appointment we could make. Now, looking at his CV, I'll admit it, you look at his CV and you go, if his CV came through the post with other people, you're going, I mean, people were saying, you know, David Moyes and you don't want Moyes, you want Lennon. Moyes failed at Man U. I will Lennon failed at Bolton. You know, right. Lennon wasn't done okay at Hibs, not brilliant. But honestly, I, I just think I'm looking at it for next year and I'm going, maybe, maybe, like I said last week, maybe Neil Lennon is the safe pair of hands. <laughs> maybe, but at the same time, you only need to look at the reaction elsewhere. And I'm not just talking about Rangers fans. Rangers fans are absolutely cock a hoop that Good. Neil Lennon is Good. the manager, right? But it's everyone else as well. Everyone else is like, well, Good luck with that. They have, I mean, if Rangers, if Steven Gerrard left halfway through the season to go and take the Liverpool job and they appointed Alex McLeish, we would rightly piss ourselves at yeah. that. Now, I'm not saying Alex McLeish is as good a manager as Neil Lennon, but he's a previously successful manager. He won a treble with yeah. Rangers against Martin O'Neill's team. He won a lot with Rangers. So if they went back the way to do that, we would howl at it. And um, I think that's what everyone else in Scottish football is seeing that we're doing. There's no strong, compelling argument to give Neil Lennon the job based on his management CV at the moment. And I take into account that he was previously successful, but a lot of managers were. Mm. If you want a manager who was good in 2012, then give it to Alan Pardew. He was manager of the year in the English Premiership. I'm not joking about that. He was he was the best manager in the English Premiership in 2012. So if you're going to go down that route, then I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm being too harsh. It, it does... Ultimately, I agree with all the tweets about how you need to just get behind him now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do think he needs a chance to come in and, and show what he can do. But I haven't seen anything just yet in the admittedly very brief period that he's been back to encourage me in that sense. I just I don't want a return to the, the standards of old. I've 
we all remember the quotes from Neil Lennon talking about diet and all that. Yeah. Ronnie Dyla came in and was ridiculed for this, and it's pathetic looking back, right? Because Brendan Rodgers did the exact same thing, and because of who he is in football, we were all like, Do you know what? You're right, Brendan. But Ronnie Dyla was was laughed at for it for for having a go at the fitness and the diet in this country. But Neil Lennon didn't want to hear any of that. He defended it at the time, and he eventually. He went as far as to defend the physical condition of guys like John Hartson. Yeah. John Hartson was completely done by the age of 30. And he was, I know he had later health problems, but at the end, his physical condition was nowhere near good enough to be in professional football. And it, and I it mean, showed. a lot of the guys that had Neil Lennon had his last Celtic team are done at 30. Like yeah. Hooper looks done. Stokes yeah. is done. Uh, exactly. And to use John Hartson as, a, as an example, well, he can eat what he wants because he's scoring against Liverpool. That's just a, a ridiculous argument. I just, I don't want to return to that. And while Neil Lennon might have been the best appointment in many ways, he's also the worst because... This wouldn't have happened. I, I, I've used the example a few times. If they had appointed Moyes on a short-term contract, nobody would be calling to, for him to get the, the permanent job just now. And Peter Lowell wouldn't have appointed him based on the performances. But you could, but uh, without harping on too much, say we appointed David Wagner yeah. to do that interim job. People people now would be wanting him to get the permanent job based on if he got the same results Neil Lennon did. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you know, any other manager, if we appointed Wagner, people would be saying, "All right, you need to give him the, you need to give him the job next year." Depending on the performances in there, but I just think it's very, performances are a very uh, difficult thing to judge Neil Lennon on at the moment because it's very extreme circumstances. But one thing that does worry me is that uh, you know I've just sat here for ten minutes and defended the Neil Lennon appointment. Would he be my first choice? No. Does the CV? As you say, Stephen, warrant a position in, in the Celtic dugout? No. If Neil, if Brendan Rodgers resigned today, would I be saying give Neil Lennon the job? If he was still at Hibs. If he was still yeah. at Hibs, absolutely no. not. Um, and the one thing that does worry me is Celtic Football Club seems to be the fiefdom of Peter Law. You know, yeah, there's yeah. one guy behind the scenes who, you know, nobody's at the top of their game forever. No, absolutely nobody runs up and is at the top of their game forever. And Peter Law has been at Celtic for a very, very, very long time. I thought there was a dismissive arrogance about the way that he presented himself in front of the camera. Just says, "I've offered Neil the job. That's the end of it." Do you know what I mean? Like, like in like the he, showers, by in the, the way. We yeah. haven't covered that. <laughs> like it was just a a one man band. Like Celtic's a two bit an amateur club. You just offer the guy that, uh, and then to you know, I didn't even look at any other CVs. You know, the, these this, the dismissive way that he said it. I think he's misread the situation. I think he's he has seen the fans singing Neil Lennon's name at the end of that game and jumped the gun. I think he's misread the the vibe among the fans. Um, I think he's done worse than that, Stephen, to be honest. I think he's not given a shit about what the fans think. No, that, that may be I true. think he thinks, Neil Lennon's my guy. I'm going to make this work. I trust my own judgment above everybody else's, which you obviously have to do when you're yeah. in his position. And he's come out and he's went, Here, here's what's happening um, and, and I've got Neil Lennon in. What worries me is the regression of Celtic. You could argue the regression of Celtic started under Brendan Rodgers. Yeah. Hmm. The, the recruitment was a mess. Our wage bill is astronomical. You know, there are mistakes being made. Um, there's rumours that Celtic don't have a proper analytics in place. They don't have proper scouting in place. Hmm. There's talk of director of football, which may or may not happen. John Park's been rumoured. He's not accepted that job at Sunderland and him and Neil Lennon are tight. So you'd expect perhaps John Park to come in. But, you know, it all seems to be rule, ruled by one guy who, who who's, whose reign can't last forever. It just can't. And another thing, Melly, you touched on it. As if that wasn't enough, he comes out today and says there's no big rebuild required. I think people are overestimating it. Now, one thing he did say, and I'll be Dick Abricat again, he said we have a core of a lot of very good players. Now, 
depending on what he means by that, he could be talking about Mikey Johnson, James Forrest, Callum McGregor, Olivier Cham if he's here, Edward, KT, Ayer. You know, he could be talking about a core of a starting eleven, which is good. And and it's true, you know, but that, that's not where Celtic's problem lies. Celtic's problem lies in, one, having far, far too many players, and two, squad depth being abysmal. Yeah, there is depth, but the quality and the, the depth of the squad is absolutely shocking. That is the problem, as you say, there's no rebuild needed yet. We don't have a head of recruitment. Neil Lennon wasn't allowed to bring in his own staff, so you've given a manager a job, but told him, well, from rumours, that he's not allowed to have his assistant, Gary mm. Pendry, uh, Gary Parker, that he's had most of his career. Well, there's a, well, there we, is that rumour, isn't there? But he was also pictured watching a player with Gary Parker, yeah. who looks like it looks like the bassist of a spine shank or something. <laughs> looks like a new metal guitarist. And what what you're saying about the analytics and all that? There's rumours that he doesn't speak to the head of sports science and all that. Like. Celtic aren't in the position they can afford to not use every single advantage they can. They should have the best sports science they can. They should have the best analytics. They should have scouts everywhere. They should have a director of football picking the managers and scouting players for the manager. We don't have any of that. And we've brought in a manager who, for want of a better phrase, is old school. And I think it's just going to, it's a massive step backwards for the club after having a manager like Brendan Rodgers who raised all the standards and still struggled over the last 18 months signing players and all that. And now we've lost Brendan Rodgers, but we've also lost Chris Davis, Glenn Driscoll. These guys were all at the top of their game and we haven't replaced them. We've just made people that were already at the club and bumped them up a rank. Yeah. There's a lot of good faith towards Neil Lennon as we saw at the game with the singing his name, but with good reason. But I think, as I said earlier, I think a lot of people were... We're just like, what a send-off this could be for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we'll get something fresh. But the recruitment is a big problem because how many times have we seen it? Well, we've had about four shockers of transfer windows in a row yeah. now. If there's another one this this summer, which there, let's face it, very well could be, then Neil Lennon could be potentially left hung out to dry next season with, let's say they get four players in, mm. they take a wee while to bed in. If they're of the standard of the last couple of windows, we're in serious trouble. If he's level pegging with Rangers because Rangers could go out and spend a wee bit of money this summer let's say it gets to January Rangers are a point clear in the league they're going to need to sack Neil Lennon after all this all this farce because think of the tension there's going to be next season I think the likelihood of having a bad transfer window is reduced because as we discussed on the podcast a couple of months ago I think the problem was you know to shortcut it um, Brendan Rodgers was presented with a number of players that Celtic could afford and didn't like them. He presented Peter Law with a number of players Celtic couldn't afford yeah. and we didn't buy them and there was that stalemate and and then obviously Brendan was trying to double deal in the background. Um, Neil Lennon's judgement on players is, you know, if Neil Lennon's good at anything, he, he certainly does spot a player that plays well in, in Scotland. He'd done it for us, done it for Hibs even last season that is that is true to a certain extent he did have absolute gems but he also had a shockers a lot a lot of shockers you can rhyme off Van Dyke, Foster, Hooper they were shockers <laughs> all good players but you look at the amount of players he signed in that time and it was just like tossing darts about trying yeah. to get I think I'd done good. this I think I'd done the stats once I think Brendan if Brendan had another transfer window I think to match the number of signings Neil Lennon made if Brendan had another transfer window he would have been allowed to bring in like 14 players I think he was 14 Mm, signings or 10 or 14 signings behind Neil Lennon in terms of numbers brought in in time frames well look I put it to the the 20 Minute Tim's Twitter at 20 Minute Tim's 
For tonight's podcast, how happy are you with Neil Lennon's appointment? Good as luck describing the results of this because it is emoji based. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and here are the questions. You know, always the same. Um, heart eye emoji, meaning you love it. A wee smile, meaning you're happy with it. The straight face, meaning you're displeased with it. And the angry face, meaning okay. Mark McGee, get that to your heart. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'll tell you, only 7% of people are heart eye emoji about Neil Lennon. Right. Uh, 23% of people are wee smiley face about Neil Lennon. Ooh. 47% are straight mouth emoji, meaning kind of displeased, and 23% are angry. So what I draw from that is exactly the same number of people are angry as are happy. Right. 23% uh, anger, 23% happiness. A lot of people are a bit meh. Uh, yeah. How many people voted in it? Uh, 1,500 mm, this right. afternoon. So that is all the Celtic fans that I, I get that. That's not, it's not an insignificant <laughs> number. No, uh, it's not, no. Um, I'm going to ask you guys, how do you feel, last word on the appointment of Neil Lennon for next year? I am straight-faced, the, the neutral neutral, the neutral face, emoji. Yeah, neutral emoji. Really? That was the angry one. And it, it's, there's also the, you just get the feeling that, oh, we're downsizing, They've waited till the season tickets have been sold. It's all that sort of thing. Yeah, if Lennon you, was a man the whole time. It's funny you should mention that. I think Lennon's appointment might have a lot more to do with the season ticket renewal deadline than people all might be letting on. Because he did say he was going to get the job anyway. So give him it four weeks ago? Nah, nah, because the season ticket renewal yeah, deadline exactly. had not passed at that point. Imagine they'd lost the cup final. They burst into the showers. Everyone's disconsolate. Yeah, Lennon, you've got the job, my man. <laughs> we claim that we're going to give you it no matter what. They burst in, and then Neil- spraying champagne. Hey, I've got good news and irrelevant news. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Lennon confronts the squad. I've got good news and I've got bad news. And then he turns it down to the job because he's got a heart condition. Um, <laughs> and here's the last word I'll say on it. Do you know what I'm going to have none of? Right, I've got my drawn my line in the sand here. Right. I'm having no, none of this petulant, toys at the pram, spoilt nonsense next season. It is 100% behind Neil Lennon. Yeah. All the way. Because, you know, see if there's disquiet in the stand and the fans are moaning and we lose a couple of pre-season games and it's always hopeless and the pressure gets piled on before the season's even kicked off and that'll make it into the press. It'll make it into the dressing room. Whatever happens, you have to be 100% behind the manager next year because... There's going to be 100% against Celtic winning this because this is the chance yeah. next year. It's Everything. Refs, obviously. Every the week media. for every team is going to be a cup final. Yeah. Uh, we've got no choice now. We've got no choice but to get behind Lennon. And I think, as you say, draw the line here. We, we are allowed to be annoyed about this. You're yeah. allowed to have the emotions that you've felt on being delivered the news. But now this is the time for it. This is the time yeah. to react in the way that you feel fit. And then after that, we're going to need to put it in a drawer, yeah. to be honest, and you see how it goes. You have to suck it up. You yeah. have to put your big boy pants on, go to Celtic <laughs> Park every second week and support the man because he's here to bring in nine in a row. And you're certainly, if you're going to be there every week moaning and shouting at every misplaced pass and panicking about everything, being a panic merchant about it, then you're no help in the situation. No. You're not, and we do have a right to be angry. I think the way it's all been done and not, but seeing the wearing fall to his knees and winning that cup final right. the emotion in the guy's eyes he does love Celtic and as I said before if we do lift the 10th trophy the 10th league there is no man that would cause more rage and huns <laughs> than seeing Neil Lennon doing it now I will get behind him and I do want him to do well I do want him to win it I, I don't believe he's the best man for the job but if we are going to be expected to back him 100% we expect the board to do that. Yeah. Um, already we've had, there's no massive rebuild yeah. needed. When we have one left back that's good, we have no right backs basically. We've six players on loan that mm. are all leaving. 
yet we're being told we don't need a rebuild after not spending any money last summer either. That's We are given 100%, we expect 100%. And Stephen says it all the time, we just don't want to feel like that's it for yeah. Celtic. And I, again, just feel Neil Lennon will keep us ahead of Rangers. That is not what I want from Celtic. I want Celtic to be the best club they can be. Well, that's funny you mention that, because that's exactly that. what Peter Law said today. <laughs> he did say he used those exact words. My final thought is that, yep, um, as I said, I'm going to have to just put it in a drawer and get on with it now. But um, my, my main problem was the the way we're being duped into thinking yeah. this is big time, right? And it's not just Peter Lobel, it's been the whole, the media drive, Neil Lennon's pals in the media, his former teammates and all telling us this is the only way forward. Yeah. Kieran Tierney coming out and saying he's the only man who could have won this league. Pull the other one, Kieran. Yeah. That, like, I'll love you in that, but that's nonsense. Like How... How big a collapse would there have to have been for Celtic to not win the league this season after being eight points clear, right? That's fine. Scott Brown comes out and says he's the only man for the job and I get that he kind of has to say that but I'm just left thinking this is all one big boys club, isn't it? Seedy <laughs> <laughs> little men with seedy little jobs. <laughs> Neil Lennon has got a big job in his hands next year um, because you could argue, and we don't have time to do it, but it would be better if you'd all just agree with me anyway so we don't have to debate the point. Rangers have looked as if they've got their shit sorted next year. Yeah. For the first time... We're going to need to assume so. Yeah, yeah, for the first time in maybe a long time. Yeah, well, their history. In their history, <laughs> they've got their stuff sorted. They're not appointing a new manager. They've no. got a guy in. They were improved, whether or not you want to admit it, in the league. They were improved from the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, beat us twice. Beat us twice. So, you know, this is the first probably... This race to title over Celtic and Rangers because everything that Celtic have been through regression-wise this year and the improvements that Rangers made next year, you know, they're going to have the best chance they've ever had of, of winning the league. So, as Melly says, the, the board need to back the manager, the fans need to back the manager, we all need to get behind it. Um, and if Peter Law is doing a tour of podcasts this summer, <laughs> which I don't think he will be. No, no. Um, he's more, you're more than welcome at all to come on to 20 Minute Tim's. I wonder if he's sobered up since that announcing that he's Aye. given Neil Lennon a job. We woke up the next day, I, I did what? He's rubbing his eyes, looking at his phone, he's got six texts for a number, he's no saved and it's Lennon's like, oh, great to see you last night. And he's like, is this on? No, what have I done? Change my number. Anyway, this is the end of the season. It's going to be a bumper episode this, but it's been a big week, a big, big news week. Big old week. It is the end of the season, the last Monday podcast of the season. Um, Not the last 20 minute terms of the season, though. No, no. No, That that train keeps rolling over on the Patreon, if you're interested at all. But it's the season wrap, and it would only be right and proper to look back at what we... Well, I don't know. I think we should just leave that where it is. I'm personally looking forward to this one. (laughs) Um, The bold predictions. Time to look back. No, you know what I'm saying, Time to look back at how you we don't look thought. Back, you look forward. You <laughs> no, don't go no, back like, in the past. Humour me. Humour me. Let's look back <laughs> at how we thought the season was going to go. Um, minimum expectations. That's what I asked you when this season kicked off. When we were so young and youthful. <laughs> feel like, feel like I've aged era. 500 yeah. years, honestly. Put more hours into podcasting than I have in the gym. I'm a <laughs> slob. Um, minimum expectations. We all said the treble. Yeah. We got it. We did. We, we said at the time that yeah, the, the treble treble is incredibly unrealistic. Turns out we were bang wrong. But I think we all said at the time that let's be positive about it because Celtic are the overwhelming favourites for every competition. So let's work on that basis. It, something would have to go go wrong for it to not happen. And um, turns out we were we were absolutely wrong. We should never. What was your problem? What were you, what were you worried about? <laughs> um, Melly, you obviously, you predicted the treble as well. Um, our top four, we were a bit off on this one. Mm. 
Uh, our top four was Celtic, Rangers, Hibs and Aberdeen. Uh, thanks to Neil Lennon, Hibs finished outside of the top four. <laughs> <laughs> Another testament to what, what a job Steve Clark did to break into our predicted top four. Why did they doubt him? Yeah, that's uh, as good as he said he, he regretted not winning a, a trophy would come on. Well, there you go, Steve Clark. You've broken into our yeah. predicted top four. Um, Player of the year. Wildly, wildly wrong on these ones. Uh, Bear in mind, we had to give these after... I think it was that, uh, just before the first league game of the season, so yeah. the qualifiers had happened at this point and we were all asked to give our future player of the year. Uh, Melly, I don't have a note of yours on the agenda. Do you remember who you picked? Uh, Callum Gregor. Uh, that is a lie. <laughs> Disgusting. I can't believe you'd lie to us like that. Stephen, you and I both picked Olivier and Cham. You, although you did say he would only win it if Dembele stayed fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. A wee bit off there. In, in our defence, he was very good in qualifying. I think the the term we used at the time was just give it to him. Just yeah. now. congratulations to Encham on winning player of the year. I will say this about Dembele. The best money Dembele has ever spent is on that guy he pays to run his Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. Well done, mate. You're doing brilliantly. Also, Still a big Tim by the looks of it. Link to Man U. Mm. Yep. 45 million. It's amazing how one season in French football can double your value. Did you see when, after the the last game of the season, when Dembele was on the pitch among the, all the celebrations and he was asked about the Man United speculation? And his answer was a bit like Do you remember that video of the guy reacting to the news that a kiosk he was going to sold drugs from yeah. behind it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in the queue. He was asked, Do you know this place? He's like, what? No way! That, that was a bit like Dembele when he was asked. Now, this one I take particular pride in. <laughs> because some people on this podcast, they have a reputation about me. think I hold grudges against certain players and whatnot. But if there's one thing your old dad's got, Melly, what is it? An eye for a player. An eye for a player. <laughs> Near beat on. Young player of the year. Who was your pick, Stephen? It was Christopher Ayer. Who was my pick? Sames. Sames Christ- babes. Christopher Ayer. Young player of your Melly, who was your pick? Can't remember to be honest. We we can't remember. Now we go on to the bold predictions. Again, well, let's, <laughs> let's just gloss over well, those. Again, Melly, I think you were actually on holding me done this, we got you back, but can you remember what yours was? Scott Sinclair, twenty goals. And how many did he score this year? Seventeen. Another reason Neil Lennon should not get the job after <laughs> dropping Scott Sinclair. It so, was a valiant effort to be fair to Melly. I thought that was wild at the time yeah, to get seventeen was, 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 well, was fair I, enough. I just I don't want to call this bold predictions, I just want to call this who knows the most about football. <laughs> So, uh, Melly, wrong. Stephen, your bold predictions, if you please. Well, I said that the French connection, namely Odson Edouard, Moussa Dembele and, and Olivier and Cham, would combine for a total of 64 goals this okay. season. They eventually got, I don't know, two or something. How many? 32. There we go. So, well, you're halfway <laughs> yeah, there. exactly halfway. Uh, any other bold predictions? Christian Gamboa to score a goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A bit, a bit off for that one and Christopher Ayer to captain a game at some point in the season I don't feel too ridiculous about that I feel like he could have gotten close on a couple of occasions not that he was he wasn't in the in the running really apart from maybe the game where Sinclair took yeah, the armband in the last game of the season but I think it's it's still in the post that one I've maybe jumped the gun on it <laughs> but it's, it's on the way hey, of course Christian Gamble has gone yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, there's, has... a, there's a good night sweet prince to announce, Christy Gamble is not with us, and from that point, I have to announce that I will be joining 20 Minute Jags uh, <laughs> as of the next season, because I can't get on board with a club that would sell or let Christian Gamble ah. leave. Welcome to Partick Thistle, crumbs to <laughs> end. Um, 
So on to my bold predictions, and I should have probably put a coupon on this. First one, Mikey Johnson to make 15 appearances. Ah, sailed past it comfortably. 23, 23, odd. yes. 23. Easy money. Craig Gordon to suffer horrendous injury and not see out the season. <laughs> well, uh, the, the horrendous injury is yet to be confirmed. That's TBC, but yeah. they are spot on about him. I'm taking that one to the bank. And obviously, the one we all knew about Brendan Rogers' final season at the club. Not happy with two of those predictions. <laughs> obviously, I don't want to see Brendan Rogers leave, and I yeah. don't want to see Craig Gordon crocked for the rest of the season. Um, but happy to see Mikey Johnson make an impact. Yep. And did you see the oh. Did you see the stats doing the round on Mikey Johnson? Ryan Kent, who has managed to force himself into almost every Player of the Year, Team yeah. of the Year nomination thing going, less of an impact in terms of goals and minutes and assists than Mikey Johnson. Pretty much an identical season between the two of them. One was far more heralded than the other. Aye, and Mikey Johnson, I think, played less minutes than him. See, where we're talking about stats, can I give you one from the Hearts game? If you must. Just to squeeze it in here at the end, or towards the end. Um, you know how Stephen McLean... Um, accused Scott Brown among others of ha- having no class I remember because that. of a celebration I remember. I'm going to give you a stat he's a classy guy Steve McLean yeah. so I'm, I'm taking his word on this I'm going to give you a stat about Steve McLean for this season right. goals scored since Halloween 2018 two right. games served suspended for grabbing an opponent's balls <laughs> also two so consistencies of a certain classy McLean there. I do, I do, I do like that. They spend 90 minutes kicking lumps out of Scott Brown and then he wins the cup and goes, get it up, you. I won despite you trying to injure me and they go, oh, look at you, lacking class. <laughs> we shout out to your boy Christopher Ayer as well. See how he had the wee spat with John Suter, was it, down yeah. in the left-back yeah. position? Uh, when Dembele went through and scored, Christopher Ayer ran from the centre-half position past... John Souter giving him get it right up yet and then went and celebrated with Edward. Like to see that. Christopher Ayer, I think has That was Dem- oh, Edward who scored by way, not Dembele. I'll just oh. clear, clear that <laughs> fact up there. Feel it pure shite, just want Musa back, sorry. Um I Christopher Ayer has put on a foot since Christmas. I really think he needs to stop growing. Um this is us on to any other business. The um, last any other business of the regular football season it's been a it's been a, a pretty there's been some pretty lows this season obviously with the death of recently Billy McNeil and Stevie Chalmers and it's sad to see that Harry Hood has also died yes um, the last man to score a hat trick against the original Rangers which That's, was a, an incredible start when when yeah. obviously Dembele done it again in the, against the new club but to think that he was the last person the first person to do it since Harry Hood was incredible 1973 um, so the last one to score against the proper Rangers yeah. and then Dembele did it against that that other lot um, I remember at the time uh, Mr Dembele went what, it was the, the the opening of his pub or something like that yeah, the two yeah. of them sat down as the two guys who had scored the hat trick so it was a nice picture and Mr Dembele tweeted it again after the, the news broke do you know how many goals that Harry Hood scored for Celtic I think he had about 180 appearances Hunters. He scored 123 goals. Steven. I remember he was definitely in the 100 club because they looked into this when um, Griffiths passed it yeah. in the last couple of seasons. Ridiculous scoring record yeah. uh, in the 70s. Do you know how many Scotland caps they got though off the back <laughs> of that? I mean, I mean, start it, you know, start at 100 and work your way down. <laughs> well, famously, obviously, everyone around that time from the Lisbon lines onwards get almost no caps between them, less than guys like Christian Daly. Like, you could put the whole Lisbon Lions team and the team after that together and probably come up with like Graham Alexander's yeah. Scotland cap. So yeah, I'll, go, I'll go nine. No, zero. Eight. <laughs> that sake. forum and that Celtic team <laughs> earned him zero Scotland caps. Ridiculous, Absolutely unbelievable. Um, but yeah, just a, another sad passing for yeah, Celtic yeah. Football Club. Um, we had a tweet in from Liam Scullion of the New Recruits, the History Boys. Yep. Um, he asked us, 
Hope 20 Minute Tims give this an honourable mention on the podcast tonight. Now, the honourable mention is Rob McLean of BBC Scotland commentary. Right. I was going to say fame, but you know, I had to explain <laughs> who he was, so he's obviously not famous. Rob McLean of Salma Hayek fame. Oh, what? yes. He tweeted that, remember? Tell me this. He's, no. <laughs> late one night, he tweeted Salma Hayek. No contact. <laughs> No, no con. He was googling Salma Hayek. Yep, he was searching Salma Hayek in the middle of the oh, night. But listen, we've all done it. Oh, it's brilliant. He just tweeted it. It's probably still there. I don't know if he's deleted it or not. But just no context, no pictures, no links, anything. Just Salma Hayek. I still remember being a pubescent boy watching <laughs> Desperado. Oh yeah, yeah. An absolute, an absolute worldie. Salma Hayek in that. Yeah. Um, the team, his team of the season. I'll just quickly run through it and what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through the names and when you take issue with any of the names I want, Buzz in. I want you to say okay stop right. okay right Alan McGregor no, okay, stop. okay stop yeah. All right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yep 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 Alan McGregor even when he was first at Rangers people called him Myth Gregor Mm, because right. there's a myth that surrounds Alan McGregor that he's actually a good goalkeeper. <laughs> I think he was good at points this season. He was very good in the first game at Celtic Park when in Cham scored. Yeah. Uh, he kept them in it. He kept the score respectable. But we talked about it quite recently the madness of Alan McGregor basically just taking his personal issues out on innocent bystanders <laughs> I don't know if you can get him into the team of the year because of that but no huge problem I think there's a lot of good keepers in in the division no I can't really think of any true standout Scott Bain if he'd been in all season would be an absolute stick on but he wasn't uh, the back line mainly Tav right back mm-hmm. okay. no no objections okay yeah. Halkett centre half McKenna centre half Taylor, left back. Hmm. Come on, okay, stop. I'm going to okay, stop myself. <laughs> How can we have Taylor in at left back ahead of Kieran Tierney? It's team of the season, is it not? It is, yeah. He's had a better season than Kieran Tierney. He's had a better season than Kieran Tierney. Get out. <laughs> Kieran Tierney's played, what, played three that. times since January. You quite rate that, Taylor, don't you? Yeah, I'd sign him as backup for Kieran Tierney. Okay. I wouldn't have McKenna in there. I'd have, probably have Ayer in that over McKenna. Oh. I don't think McKenna's doing great. No. Uh, McGregor, Callum McGregor in midfield. Ross Turnbull. James Sign him. Yeah, well, you saying yeah. Ross Turnbull? Yep, yep. Just get them, just get the job done. Agreed. Uh, we've missed out on too many of those, and um, we've now seen John McGinn. Yes, Peter Law, Mister I for a player. Well, you don't have that, Pete, because yeah. you've let him go. And he scored actually, John McGinn, as we record this, scored the winning goal to send yep. Aston Villa into the so Premier he's League. Now, effectively, a twenty million pound footballer. <laughs> Couldn't afford him now. Less than a year later, uh, left wing Ryan Kent. I suppose I, I get it. I get no. it. Only, but listen. He's got Rob McLean judging him. According to Ryan Kent himself, only God can judge him. Have you seen his tattoo? <laughs> what a banger. Yeah. What an absolute banger that boy is. And up front, obviously, we've got Edward and Morelis. Yeah. Morelis, fine. So, I, I just, I look at that team and I think, Rob McLean hasn't watched a lot of football this year. And then I realise his only job is to watch football. Um, and that is it. That is the end of another 20-minute Tim's See, I feel like we should have sad music to, to play us out. Um, that difficult season four. That, yeah. that difficult for only four seasons. We're, yeah. still, we're still a young management team. Um, this will be the last on the iTunes feed until maybe in t- for a couple of weeks. And we're going to take a couple of weeks off yeah. of this feed. Um, but the, as we said, the Patreon content keeps rolling. Um, we've got loads on the Patreon. You should yeah. check it out at patreon.com slash 20 minute Tims. On that, just a wee stat to, to round us out for the season. Do you know how many from... Seasons opening to now, do you know how many podcasts we've done, including the regular Monday night and the Patreon? 7,452. <laughs> Close, it is 104. We have done 104, 104 podcasts this season. No, I, I, no wonder we hate each other. <laughs> I know. 104 podcasts recorded this season, all with jobs and girlfriends and wives <laughs> and dogs and houses. I, I honestly don't know where we found the time to do it, but 
we're still going to keep doing it. So if you want any of that extra stuff, you can head over to patreon.com slash 20 minute Tims where it's all going to keep going all through the summer. Um, and this is just our opportunity to say to you guys, the listeners and the patrons, thanks. Thanks very much for supporting us through another season. We don't really talk numbers on this podcast because really it's not that important, but it's another season where the people of you guys have listened to us in increasing numbers and it's good to know because yeah. we know there's loads of Celtic podcasts out there, some really good ones, ones that have been going for twice as long as we have anyway. Yeah. So we're very, very grateful for everyone's support, very grateful for, you know, something I've never done, and it's a shame on me, but I've never tweeted someone that's done something I like to say, I really yeah. like what you're doing there, but people do it to us on the 20 Minute Tims and send us DMs and emails, and it is really, really kind of you to do that. People go out of their way all the time, and we are incredibly grateful for it. We do share it in amongst group chats and stuff yep. like that, and we, we do note that... You know, none of us do that. None of us take the time to go and, you know, congratulate someone or thank someone or, or just say, you know, I'm a listener. And people do that to us all the time. And it's really, it's really encouraging. So thank Um, you. And thanks again, obviously, from our charities that we've helped this season. We raised a lot of money for Chaz at Christmas time. They raised well over a thousand pounds for Chaz at Christmas. So thanks on behalf of those guys. And thanks to you guys for digging deep for that. Um, And that's it. That is it for another season. We will see you. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will see you next season when we're on course for nine in a row. Yes. Probably the biggest Celtic season of our lifetime. Indeed. Another hundred odd podcasts, <laughs> no doubt, to put out. More than that. <laughs> no, Melly. <laughs> um, and listen, just one more time. Thanks for listening. Three. That's a magic number. Three. It is. It's the magic number. Somewhere in this hip-hop soul community Was born three may stub and eat And that's a magic number Difficult preaching is posthumous pleasure Pleasure in preaching starts in the heart Something that stimulates the music in a measure Measure in the music, racing three parts Casually see but don't do like the soul Cause seeing and doing are actions for monkeys Doing hip-hop hustle, no rock and roll Unless your name's Brewster, cause Brewster's a punk Parents let go cause it's magic in the air Criticizing rap, cause you're out of order Stop looking, listen to the phrase of Fred Astaire's And don't get offended while Mace Dosi does your daughter A dry camera roll system is now set Fly around the store under Daisy Productions It stands for the inner sound Y'all in your Quebec that the action's not a trick, but show me the function. Everybody wants to be a DJ, everybody wants to be an MC, but being speakers are the best, and you don't have to guess. Still, I so posse consists of three, and that's the magic number. Three. This here piece of the pie is not dessert, but the cost that we dine, and three out of every darn time, the effect is mmm, where the daisy grows in your mind. Showing true position, this here piece is kissing the part of the pie that's missing Where that negative number fills up the casualty Maybe you can subtract it, you can call it your lucky partner Maybe you can call it your adjective But odd as it may be, without my one and two, where would there be my three mates passing me And that's the magic number what does it all mean? Focus is formed by flaunt of the soul. Souls who fall style gain praise by pounds. Comment on speakers who honor the scroll. Scroll written daily creates a new sound. Listeners, listen, because this year is wisdom. Wisdom of a speaker. A of- Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. 
Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.